September will be 52 years that I have been trying to preach God's Word. In 52 years, the message has really never changed. It's all about the heart. It is all about the heart. How many of you know that God has a place and a purpose for your life? Raise your hand. How many of you realize that God has a place and a, pur and a purpose for your life? And a, it's, a, it's to be a life that brings fulfillment, and that brings joy, that brings a, a, a sense of accomplishment. It's a sense of, uh, uh, of just being a child of a living God. I, I love what David said in Psalms 23. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not won't. In other words, he said, I've reached a place in my life serving God that nothing in this world appeals to me like God appeals to me. I found nothing else in this life and in this world that's more important to me than my relationship with God. On the other hand, Jesus speaking uh, in John 10, 10 said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full. King James say, a Version says that you may have it more abundantly. And so there is a life that you and I can, can, there's a place that we can get to in God that we can live an extraordinary life, an extraordinary life. God has a place for that where we, we don't have to get there, but we have the opportunity, we, we get to get there in relationship with God. Too many settle for an ordinary life and instead of reaching that place that God has for them and they miss out on knowing God in that intimate relationship that he desires for all of us today. Are we better than anybody else? No. But I'm glad this morning that I no longer have to live ordinary. I get to live just a little extraordinary because of my relationship with God. I'm glad every morning whenever I get up and I break out the Word of God and I begin to pray and study that I know uh, that there's somebody somewhere listening to me, hearing my prayers and answering my prayers. I'm glad whenever you send me a prayer request and I call out to God uh, that God already knows that need before I ask. And He hears and He answers prayer. Too many people settle for what's going on around us. And Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, I taught a Sunday school class for many years here in a room just outside of the sanctuary to my right. And on that wall, I left this verse of Scripture from day one because I think it's important for us to understand we live in a world where everybody just wants you to blend in. Everybody wants you to just be alike. Everybody wants you to just not, not wave the waters, don't make waves, just uh, kind of go along. But Romans uh, 12 and 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I like what the Message Bible says of this particular uh, verse of Scripture. It says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God 
you'll be changed from the inside out. Now, we want everybody to change from the outside in. We want them to take on our looks. We want them to take on our actions. We want them to take on our, our mode of worship. We want them to take on our mode of lifestyle. But uh, God said you'll be changed from the inside out. And if you change from the inside out instead of the outside in, uh, that change will be a permanent change this morning. Amen. He said we're going to change from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down uh, to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. And just like in the natural today, without a good heart, you don't live much of a life. You know, I, I, I prayed and I spoke and I kept in contact with Eli, and that's the reason I, 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 that I mentioned his name this morning. And he gave his testimony in an altar service a couple of weeks back about what God had done for him. When the heart changes, life changes. There are many times that without a good heart uh, that, that your stamina won't last. There's times without a good heart, there's things you're not allowed to do. Uh, there's things without a, uh, without a good heart uh, that you're not able to accomplish. But when the heart's right, all things begin to uh, uh, progress in the right direction. The heart issue is still the cardiovascular disease is still the number one killer around the globe. That's the one, number one health issue across the world today is, is cardiovascular. But I want to tell you, it goes beyond the natural. The biggest problem across the world today is spiritually is a matter of the heart. Uh, that's what's wrong with our world today is that they need to get their heart right uh, with a God who wants the best for them. Amen. This morning, God knows our heart. Uh, but so many today uh, try to struggle through life with all kind of issues. You can't live without a heart. You can live without a leg, you can live without a finger, you can live without an arm, you can live without, without a whole lot of uh, limbs, but you can't live. When your heart stops, you die. And I want to tell you this morning, if your heart's not healthy, you're not a healthy person spiritually or naturally today. In fact, Proverbs tells us in 4.23, he said, above all else, number one importance, above anything else that you look at in life, Above everything else, guard your heart. Why do I want to guard my heart? Because out of it, for it is the wellspring of life. Guard your heart today spiritually because it is that, uh, that spring of living water that keeps flowing up, uh, bubbling up out of you that causes every day for you to realize uh, that we serve a living God who knows all things and is able to do all things and he will uh, take care of you. And one of the confrontations that Jesus had with the Pharisees, it became a matter of the heart, even though it started out with a marriage issue, the, 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 the issue of divorce. In Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 through 8, some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Jesus said, haven't you read the Scripture? Jesus replied, they record from the beginning, God made them male and female. Let me stop right there this morning. The world is confused in a lot of ways today. God's not confused. God's very clear in what he creates. 
uh, God's very clear whenever he made a male and he made a female, uh, he knew well what he was doing. And God's not uh, confused in any area of that. He's very clear. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. And since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Jesus said it's pretty clear what the Scripture and what God says about divorce. He said, once you're married, you're married, then that's what God intends for you to do. Uh, but they came back and in, in trying to uh, trap him with that statement. He said, then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give the wife a written notice of divorce and send her away? If it's so that God put you together and you're supposed to stay together, listen to what Jesus said. Jesus replied, Moses per permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. That's the only reason he put it in the law is because that's the only thing that you would have. It was your hard heart, not God's plan for your life that has you doing what you're doing. And I want to tell you today, a lot of actions today, it's not God's will for your life. It's because of hard-heartedness that we do what we do instead of allowing God to clear the heart and to cleanse the heart and set the heart right with him. And that begins with you, your heart. is an important thing this morning. Your heart can cause things to happen in your life that God never intended to take place. Your heart is a reason so many people are in the shape and the conditions doing the things that they're doing today is because they have Instead of living that life that God intended, they've chosen their own way and they've chosen their own ideas. Whenever our hearts are affected, and let me, let me just make something clear to you this morning. Our hearts are always affected by the things we experience in life. We always are. I'm going to touch on that just a little bit later on. But the things that happen to us in life affect our hearts. And it affects the way we view things. And uh, because whenever, whenever we go through certain areas, and I'm not going to jump ahead, but in, in Exodus chapter 28, verse 29 and 30, when Aaron, who is a priest, enters the holy place, he will bear the names of the sons of Israel over his heart on the breastplate of decision as a continuing memorial before the Lord. Thus Aaron will always bear the means of making decisions for the Israelites over his heart before the Lord. Now you say, well, yeah, Brother Don, that's, that's in the Old Testament. Yes, in the Old Testament, priests went before God. In the New Testament, we are a kingdom of priests, and you go to God uh, for yourself. You're able to approach God yourself. And all of us today are the sum total of life's experiences. I am today what I am because of what's happened to me and what I've gone through and what I've experienced and, and what, I, what I've lived out these 69 years of life that I've been blessed with. Some of you are much younger and you still a sum of the experiences that you have, have, that you have faced in life. Not only am I a sum of that experiences, 
But those things are on my heart, John. And every time that I approach God, I approach him with that filter on my heart of all the, all the experiences that I have had in life. Everything that, that you're going through right now affects the way that you approach God. Charles and Glenda Elson sitting right here on the middle aisle. The way we approach God right now, and I've been joining in faith with them, believing for total restoration, and, and God just continues to work this morning. Uh, but our approach to God is affected by what's going on in our life. There are many of you this morning that are sitting here that have lost companions in the recent months, and your approach to God is, is filtered through uh, that pain of loneliness and that pain of, uh, of loss and that hurt that's in your heart today. That's the way we approach God. I'm going to tell you, there's not a single person here that doesn't have a filter over your heart. Every one of us go to God through whatever's going on and has happened in our lives. The reason I believe for total restoration, because God said where two or three agree on any one thing, it shall be done in Jesus' name. Amen. I trust that, and I'm holding to that this morning. It's a matter of what you've gone through is how you approach God. And so that filter is always there. And that's why that we can all see the same thing happen and, and all record it and write it down uh, in different views because we see things through the experiences that we have had in life. I can almost tell you that whenever we gather around these altars, that we approach these altars with that filter of our relationship with God and how we approach God. Because there's some that just come bouncing right on down to the front row and say, here I am, God, I'm so glad to be here. There's others that creep in in the back and say, God, I'm here. I, I, I'm here, but I don't really know. I'm not very comfortable being here. That's okay. Uh, that's all right. It's, it's got to start somewhere. Uh, but at least you made that effort to get up and come to an altar and say, God, you are the answer. I've just got to learn to trust you more every day of my life until I experience that extraordinary life that you want me to have. Read a, heard a story of a man named Bill Hornsby. Young, young kid absolute genius smart in school he could just do anything one day he was sitting in class in the math class and the teacher wrote a problem on the board and periodically they would call out names and say come up here solve this problem work this problem out the teacher called Billy and said Billy solve this problem so Billy looked at the problem, and he was walking up through there, and he looked at the problem, and he worked it out in his mind, and he got to the board, and he drew a line under it, and he wrote down a, a, an answer, and he turned and walked back to his seat, and the teacher said, that's wrong. He said, that's not wrong. That's the answer. He said, yes, the answer's right, but you didn't do your work. You didn't show your work. He said, but the answer's right. And the teacher made a statement to him in front of all of his classmates. He said, Billy... You will never amount to anything. And from that day forward, something changed in Billy's life. No longer was he a genius. 
No longer was he one that made all the best grades. He became a failure. Struggled through school. Married at 17, father at 18, took a job down on the, with one of the oil companies. Couldn't make ends meet, so he put in for a, uh, to take a test so he could see if he could gain a position so he could feed his family. And, and so he took that test, and what, the boss called him and said, Billy, I want you to come in. I want to talk to you about this test. He said, you can just tell me I failed. Why you want to bring me in and, and embarrass me in front of everybody? You can just tell me I failed. He said, Billy, I want to talk to you about this test. Billy went into the office that day. The boss said, Billy, we've never had anybody score this high on this examination. Nobody's ever made this high score. And he looked at Billy and he said, Billy, there is no limit to what you will be able to accomplish if you set your mind to it. And immediately that day, immediately that day, Billy's life began to turn around. And he went from a failure uh, to a successful man that planted churches all over Europe, all over America, and he left this walks of life uh, to, to go be with Jesus knowing that he was living an extraordinary life. I want to tell you something. Parents, influencers, be careful what you say to your children. Be careful what comes out of your mouth. Whenever you speak to someone, you never know the damage that you're going to do. Uh, but I want to tell you, child of God, every time you get an opportunity, uh, you build somebody up, you encourage them, uh, because you never know that you may be the one that breaks that curse. You may be the one that turns their life around simply by saying you can instead of you can't. You're a winner and you're not a loser. This morning we need to Realize that that name across our hearts can be reversed and it can be erased and, and a new name can be written down across our hearts and we can approach God as a winner because uh, too many people settle for ordinary. Too many people settle for ordinary. Genesis chapter 11. We read about a man named Terah. He said this is the account of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, <coughs> Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. Can I tell you, Ur represents the place God wants you out of. Canaan represents the place God wants you to go Two. Verse 31 says, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. We're going to leave this place where God doesn't want us, and God's going to lead us to the place that he wants us to go. You following me this morning? We've left Ur and we're going to the promised land. But the Bible says, but when they came to Haran, now that was a city, not his son. This was a city in what is now modern day Iraq. 
He said, when they came to this city, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. He decided in the middle of that journey from where he used to be to where he needed to be in God, where he used to be and where God wanted him to be, he found a place in the middle there and said, you know what? It's pretty comfortable right here. Things are going pretty good. Family's pretty well taken care of here. We just go stop here a day or two. Pretty soon a day or two became a year or two, and pretty soon a year or two became a genera- a, a, a decade or two until Terah died in Haran. I want to tell you, there are a lot of people that die in the middle of where they were to where God wants them to go. Do they go to heaven? Sure they go to heaven. Uh, They've been born again. They've just never experienced that extraordinary life uh, that God has for them to know. Uh, They've settled in the middle and they've settled for ordinary uh, whenever God has so much more for them. In chapter 12, if you want to continue reading in Genesis, is where God called Abram, Abraham, and said, Abraham, go to the land that I have commanded you to go. Terah might have had that same command from God, just never filled it out. I don't know. It's not recorded in God's Word, but it could well have happened uh, that way. God writes names on our hearts. God says you're mine. God says he's a child of the king. God said he'd been born again. Uh, But I want to tell you, in the middle of that, Satan desires to write other things over your heart uh, that if we're not careful, we'll reach home with us. When God took his hand off of Israel and they went into bondage in Babylon and uh, many call it the Babylon exile, in Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Listen closely. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of the court officials to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were trained for three years, and after they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, he gave the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Can I tell you that Satan knows the name God's put on your heart? And Satan seeks to change the name 
that God has put on your heart. Satan knows a promise God has made for your life. And he seeks to destroy that promise and to change your direction. He wants you to become what he wants you to be instead of what God wants you to be. Daniel meant God is my judge. To Daniel, they gave the name Belteshazzar, which is a feminine name. And that name literally means lady protect the king. They were trying to create in his heart a confused identity so that he didn't know who he belonged to. They were trying to create within Daniel confusion so that he wasn't able to identify who he was in God. From Hananiah, which means Yahweh has been gracious. In other words, God's been so good to me. I'm telling you, God has been so good to me. He's blessed me. Everything I've got come from God. To Shad- they changed it to Shadrach, which means I am fearful of God. I'm afraid of what God is going to do to me. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of like the lies that Satan uh, shared with Eve in the, in the beginning. Uh, you know, and it's kind of like a lot of folks teach and preach today that uh, God is this great supreme being that one day is going to uh, smush us like a bug if we fail him. He was trying to make him fearful of the one that had been so gracious to him and given him every good thing. From Mishael, which means, who is what God is? There's nobody else like my God. There's nobody else like the God I serve. I want to tell you, you can give me, there's nothing else. Uh, God is all there is. He's like that. He's like David. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd, and I don't want for anything because nothing is like God. It's kind of like us. Nothing like mama cooking, right? Amen. Uh, I've gotten in trouble many times because I told him it wasn't like Mary Ruth did it. But, you know, so many times he wants to make you fearful of God. He wants to create in your heart a distorted spirituality to where instead of loving God, you fear him. Instead of being in awe of him, you wonder what he thinks of you. It's when you stand in the mirror and you think, oh, God, I failed, and I wonder what God thinks of me. I want to tell you, God still loves you. From, from Azariah, which means Yahweh has helped. Yahweh has been the one that's brought me where I am today. He's been the strength that I've walked with so many years. To, uh, they changed his name to Abednego, which meant servant of Nebro, a servant of prophecy, where you find your own way. Don't worry. And I'm going to tell you, that's what's changed our world today. Because through liberal professors and teachings and teachers that have said, you don't have to take God's word for what it is. You just find your own way. There's more ways to heaven than what they say, than the Bible says. Uh, You just find yourself a way, and again, you'll get there just like everybody else. I want to tell you this morning, uh, they can create a redirected purpose if they uh, try to create a redirected purpose in your life, uh, but there's only one way to heaven, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't care however else you want to try, there's only one way. And Satan wants you to believe that you're stuck where you are. Satan wants to tell you that there's no better way for your life than what you already have found. That there's no way, but I'm glad that God is able to change your life. 
It's a long way from here to Dallas, especially if you go through Chicago to get there. But you can get there. What I'm telling you this morning is that you're never going too far. The Bible says all things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. God is a turnaround God. Amen. It may not be something that happens today. It could happen today, but it may something. It may be something that takes a process in your life. Uh, but if you'll stick with God, he will get you from where you were uh, to where he wants you to be, and he'll never leave you, and he'll never forsake you. But he'll walk every step with you this morning. Amen. He is a turnaround God. How do you change that? Well, I want to tell you, the four men that I just mentioned to you, they were swept away into slavery. They were put in the ugliest world. They were put in a place of captivity and slavery. And it didn't matter where they were. It didn't matter what they tried. It didn't matter what they had to do. Their heart never changed. Don't let the things of this world change your position in Christ Jesus. Don't allow that to push you to a place. Yes, we all live in a cruel world. We all live in a place where uh, trials and pains and all of those things happen. But don't ever get to the place uh, that you allow them to change your mind of who you are and where you're going in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Number one is, let the one who designed you define you. Daniel said, I want to tell you what. You may think you're going to distort my identity, but I've still kept the faith. Every day I go do my job just like, I've, uh, just like I am commanded to do. I go do everything. I, I, I serve this king just like I, I'm supposed to. I don't go short on my job. Uh, but I want to tell you, every day I pray at a certain time, and I'm not going to give that up. I'm going to be who I am in Christ Jesus. God, you're still my judge. God, you're still my judge. It doesn't matter how much they try to confuse me. I know God is the one. One day I'm going to stand before and I'm going to give an account of every deed done in this life. And I want that deed. I want those deeds to get a response of well done. I enter in this morning, don't you? Amen. Amen. Daniel said, I know, God, you are my judge. Psalms 139, 13 through 16 says, for you created me. Come on, singers. Uh, you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in the, my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God has had a plan for every person that's ever been born on planet Earth. God had a plan for them. God's got a plan for you this morning. And that is to realize that he knew you before you were born. Why am I pro-life? Because it said God knit us together. 
in the mother's womb. I didn't one day suddenly appear and they said, well, let's call this thing Donald Ray Maddox and uh, we'll just go from here. No, God knew when I was going to be born, where I was going to be born in a few hours after Debbie Irwin. Amen. For those of you who don't know, she and I were born in the same hospital the same day, the same year, delivered by the same doctor. So God has a sense of humor, amen? But he is our judge this morning. Secondly, we want to see God the right way. Hananiah said, in all the things I've had to do, in all the things they've called on me to do through this time and, and, and service I've served, but uh, whenever you get to the point where you want to tell me to bow down and worship this king uh, here on earth, I want to tell you my God is so gracious uh, that I'm not going to bow down, but I'm going to stand and I'm going to keep my heart uh, pure to God because he's the one uh, that's able to see me through. Amen. Psalms 139 and verse 17 says, How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. Can I tell you this morning in this house, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what you think of yourself. God has wonderful thoughts about you. Watching online today, I don't know what you're facing and I don't know what you're going through, but I want to tell you, God has wonderful, gracious thoughts about you. He has good plans for your life. Don't throw those plans away settling for ordinary. Uh, don't chase the world and allow the world to influence you to become something uh, that you're not. Don't become fearful of God because God is our friend and he's the only friend uh, that sticks closer than a brother. He's there through thick and thin this morning. Regardless of what you go through, God is there with you. God doesn't see you for what you are. Thank God he sees us for what we can become through Jesus Christ this morning. Thirdly is allow God to heal your heart. Mishael said, who is like God? I'm telling you, I have been Meshach, and I've done everything in the world, but I want to tell you, I've served the king, and I've done all of my jobs well, but I'm going to keep my heart pure before God, and I'm going to stand on my faith, and I'm going to know full well that there is nobody like my God. God, give God the permission to examine your heart. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lastly this morning, invite, invite God into your future. Invite God into your future. I don't care where you are, what you've done, or where you're from. God has been in your past. God has seen where you would have been. God has seen what you have done. God has watched you know, and recorded your life all the way up till today, and he's still recording. God knows everything that is happening in our lives. But Azariah said, God has helped me. He said, I stood with these other two brothers whenever they were going to throw us in the fiery furnace. I stood along beside them because I know the one who is able to help us through. I know the one that's able to see us through. But you know what? If he doesn't, 
I'd rather leave this world in a cloud of smoke uh, than, to, than to sacrifice this extraordinary life that I'm living. I'd rather die in that fire than to give up what God has already done for me. And because of that, God blessed them. And, and, and joy, happiness, fulfillment can be found now. It can be found whenever we allow God to heal our hearts and redirect our paths. These men never allowed Satan, never allowed the enemy to write anything new over their heart. They said, I know what I've got here. I know who lives here. But those of you this morning that have allowed things to happen in your life, I want to tell you God is a forgiving God. God is a gracious God. God is a saving God. God is a forgiving God. And we can start again on our journey where he's taking us today. How is your heart today? How is your heart? Stand with me this morning. How is, what's a, what's a condition of your heart? There are many people today that may be confused about where they stand in Christ. God has a definite answer for you. There are many today that are struggling to fulfill the purpose God has designed for your life. And today we just need to say, God, I just want to give you, I want you to search my heart. And I want to see if there's anything there offensive to you because I want to do what you've called us to do. I want to be what you've called me to be. I want to do these things. And I've told you this before. I pastored 17 years in the Baptist denomination before I came to Harvest Church of God. I started, and I had been here a little while, and my mother was still alive at the time, and she said, Don, what do you do? And I said, I do this, 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 and this. She said, but how do you go about it and not preaching every Sunday? I said, God has designed a purpose for my life. God has designed a purpose for my life. I have found that purpose, and I'm going to live in it. And I'm going to fulfill it to the best of my ability. Folks, I want to tell you, every Sunday morning, this broadcast, this live stream, goes out to five, six, seven hundred views every week. That's reaching beyond these walls right here, where people are taking time to tune in. So it's important what you do this morning. It's important uh, that you're a part of that every week. But I want to tell you, I can sit right over there and not preach for three months and still live an extraordinary life because I know the purpose uh, that God has called me to do. I know the purpose that God has called me. And I'm happy to do that. I am thrilled to live out that life this morning. Be content on the path that God has set you on today. Bow your heads with me this morning. Father. We just thank you that you are our Savior. Thank you, God, that you have designed and purposed a will for each one of our lives. And it's up to each one of us today. Lord, if I could, I would claim that will for everyone that's here. 
Lord, I would make that decision for everyone that's, that's sitting in this church house today, standing in this place or, or watching online. I would make that decision for them. But, God, that's a decision that only they can make. And, Lord, may they make that decision realizing that you're a God with open arms. Lord, that you're a God that has just extended an invitation to whosoever will, let them come. And Lord, may they come this way, this morning. May they find their way in Christ Jesus. Because we're no longer a slave to sin, but I am a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Sing this song with us this morning. Go ahead. Yes, I'm a child of God. You're a child of God this morning. Hallelujah. Yes. I'm no longer a slave to Thank you for being here this morning. As you go, turn in someone that's around you and say, I'm a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to sin. And this week, wherever you go, whatever you do, brighten the corner of a dark world with the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you today. Have a great week.